0: Our second reading today comes from John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. The word of the Lord. I have several measures in my life that I use to evaluate my parenting, whether or not we're doing a good job with our kids or not. And I'm sure many of you do as well. And certainly behavior and grades and manners and obedience, these are all noble and worthy measures. But a big measure of success for me For parenting is something a little different than those something a little bit more specific but no less noble or worthy in my mind one measure of success for me as a parent is whether or not my kids desire to eat at mcdonald's (laughs) now if you're a fan of mcdonald's you know we can agree or disagree on that if need be but for many years i was flying high in success my kids had no idea what the golden arches were or signified We passed them without any fanfare or salivation, which was unlike my childhood because I saw them and it was like a siren song luring me in. I was crushing it as a parent. And then one day it happened. And it wasn't because they got a taste of those crispy golden fries, but it was the toys. They determined that the toys advertised for McDonald's were better than the toys at Chick-fil-A, our family's fast food choice and probably the choice of good Christians everywhere. In fact, <laughs> in fact, you, you may not know this, but according to author John Aka, Chick-fil-A comes pre-blessed. So you don't even have to pray for your meal. So just wanna put that out there. But my kids, they, they saw the advertisement and they evaluated their life and the choices that my wife and I had put before them. And they came to a conclusion. They were missing out. And we as parents, we were holding out on them. The cheap plastic toys were better and mom and dad were keeping us from living the good life. As you can see, VBS is happening and our theme for VBS is Amped, living fully alive. It's clear that day that my kids looked around and they realized we aren't living fully alive without these toys. And I'm wondering if you feel fully alive this morning. Not fully awake, that's a different question, but fully alive, fully alive. I'm wondering if you hear the phrase living fully alive and you feel like that's a possible endeavor. Is it possible to live fully alive? And if so, what does that look like? Maybe you've been in a season of your life where it doesn't really feel like the offer from Jesus is life abundant, but more like life exhausted and stressed. I've had more than a few weeks lately where I felt like my kids figuring out that McDonald's had better toys. And I'm thinking, God, if the offer is life to the full, are you holding out on me? If we listen to the advertisements we receive every day, they would certainly tell us that we're missing out and that somebody's holding out on us. They tell us that we're not enough or that we're one car away or one beauty product away from who we want to be. They paint the picture of the good life but they let us know that we're not quite there yet despite our best efforts, but we can be with this or that product. We can be with this or that experience or this or that status symbol. Social media would also tell us that we're missing out. Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, they can all paint a picture that life is a collection or accumulation of moments that are worthy of posting for the whole world to see that your life is good. These highlight reels of other people's lives can easily speak into our souls and say, you're not quite there or you're not quite enough. And let's be clear, you don't have to have social media to fall into this trap. There are many who never post to social media who believe that life is chasing after the next big moment or experience. Maybe for some life to the full means an accumulation of moments that are larger than life a trip, an adventure, a conquest, something that is exhilarating and makes us feel alive. The only problem with this theory is that moments have expiration dates. Moments can go from a 10 to a five or an eight to a two in a matter of weeks, days, or even minutes. Moments are great, we, we tell stories about moments. Moments create memories. Moments are great, but they don't last. Trying to maintain a life full of mountaintop moments is exhausting, possibly expensive, and frankly, not a realistic way to live. Another way we may choose to chase the full life is to have full calendars. And let's be honest for a moment. Being busy can feel really good. Being busy and having a full calendar means that we are important. We have things to do. Someone is counting on us or maybe we're enriching our kids' lives. We are needed, we are valued. The problem with full calendars, at least in my experience, is eventually they lead to exhaustion and stress. They eventually fail at living up to our desire for a full life. Full calendars often pull us away and pull our attention away from things that actually matter most. If we're not careful, we can wake up and realize we thought we were living life to the full but ended up neglecting the very things that make life full. The problem with all of these, and and we know, we, we really do, we know that ultimately they don't lead to a satisfying life. We might have full moments, but we are smart enough to know that this can't be what Jesus meant when he said we would have life and life abundant. After all, what happens when you lose your job? When something good falls apart, when life happens. In John chapter 10, Jesus says the often quoted statement, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You might be familiar with this passage and you may even anticipate the next verses where Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. But in our section of John's account today, Jesus makes a different I am statement. Here, Jesus declares, I am the gate. If we were to pick back up on the context for this passage, John is telling one continuous story through chapters nine and chapters 10. So if we look back in chapter nine, Jesus heals a blind man and it gets lots of attention. People are debating whether this is the guy and if Jesus actually did this. And it eventually gets the attention of the Pharisees. The Pharisees begin questioning the man, were you really blind before this? did Jesus really heal you? They debate whether or not Jesus actually did this because after all, the healing happened on the Sabbath and religion has rules, you know. So if he really is God, he wouldn't have healed on the Sabbath. However, the blind man says, I was blind and Jesus healed me. So not satisfied with his answers, the Pharisees eventually call his parents in and they say, is this really your son? Has he really been blind since birth? The parents confirm that it is indeed their son. Eventually the Pharisees get frustrated and they kick the man out. Jesus hears about this and he shows up. He identifies himself to the formerly blind man and the formerly blind man believes Jesus is who he says he is. So as we begin chapter 10, there's this question that's been going on through chapter nine. Is Jesus really who he says he is? Picking up at the beginning of chapter 10, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and finds and the sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will not follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. I think this happens in my life a lot. God says something and uses something and then the little side note in parentheses is, but Kyle did not understand what he was saying to them. <laughs> So Jesus chooses to say it a little more directly. So Jesus picks up. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have become before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus makes a remarkable statement here. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me would be saved. The first two words of that statement have power, especially for those who might have been listening that day. I am. It's very possible those words have brought to mind the various I am statements made by God throughout the Hebrew scriptures. Jesus is clearly identifying himself with God and letting the Pharisees and everyone else know that life, salvation, green pastures are found in him. Jesus was also clearly answering that question that was going all through chapter nine. I am the one who healed the blind man. I am who that I say that I am. Jesus has the authority to heal and to offer life. Jesus by saying, I am the gate is standing there in flesh and blood in front of these people and saying, the way of life is through me, not religion or a perfect belief system, but through the person of Jesus. The sheep hear my voice and they go through the gate. Jesus says he is the gate to salvation and eternal life. And this is not an offer for a distant future life. No, this is an offer for eternal, abundant life that starts now. The gate protects from thieves and robbers and the gate opens to green pastures. This is the life that Jesus offers. Friends, this offer of life is for you. Enter the gate. We get caught up and we look around. We wonder if God's offer of life is really for us. Or maybe we evaluate our life and we wonder, God, are you holding out on me? Because as I look at my life, I'm not quite sure this qualifies for living fully alive. As director of family ministry, I get the opportunity to watch things kind of play out over time. And we do a lot of the same things year after year. So we see patterns. And one pattern that's in student ministry might be helpful for us today. If we live in a world where the offer is life, but sometimes our daily experiences don't match that, what else might be going on? So oftentimes at the end of a youth trip or a summer camp experience, there's a chance for students to share what God has done in their life this week. And so a student will stand up and they'll share what's been going on. And without fail, this always happens. A student stands up and says something like this, last year I came to camp. I experienced God and it was amazing. And I was determined to live for God this year. And then I went home and I forgot about God. But I'm back at camp this year and I'm feeling it again. So this is the year I go home and I live for God. This is the year. And unfortunately, the process often repeats itself year after year. Why does this happen? Let's think about this. A student spends an entire week Surrounded by the love of God, the speaker, the worship, the counselors, the entire week is set up for them to be pointed towards God, to experience God's love, to experience what God has for them. They're given space to think about their life in light of who God is and what that means. They're given space to pursue God. Then they leave camp and life, it's not set up that way. Not many people are pointing them to God. There's very little space for God. They've got school and sports and friends and extracurricular activities and everything else. It's no wonder they forget about God. If you and I, if we want to live fully alive, we must cultivate an awareness of God. We must be attentive to the voice of Jesus. Is there space in your life for his voice? Or is his voice drowned out by all the other competing voices? If you feel like God is holding out on you from the good life, I encourage you, create space for God in your calendar. Create mm-hmm. reminders of his presence in your everyday life. This week, enter through the gate and enjoy some green pasture for a little while. Over the next week, we have a bottom line for VBS. You can see a lot of them on the set behind me. And they all start with the phrase, live like. Live Like So for day one, it's way over here, but it says, live like you know God is with you. See, as we think, as we try to invite kids into living fully alive, we realize they're probably gonna have to practice. They're gonna have to go out and they're gonna have to live like it. So the story for day one is the story of Joseph. And if we were to look at Joseph's life, it's a life of ups and downs. He probably didn't really feel like the offer for Joseph was abundant life. The offer to Joseph was to be betrayed by your brother's, to be forgotten in prison, to be a lot of things. He could have felt like God is holding out on him. But Joseph lived like he knew God was with him and God was in fact with him. Or day three, we're gonna talk about live like Jesus is alive. It's the story of the road to amazes. But what if you left here today? What if you left here today just determined to live like Jesus is alive? How would that change your day? If I had a bottom line for today's time together, it would be this, live like you are fully alive. Live like you are fully alive because you are. Have you ever walked into a closet full of clothes and thought I have nothing to wear? (laughs) Friends, when you enter the gate, you will find that in the person of Jesus, you have everything you need. You have clothes to wear. If something is telling you otherwise, if some other voice is drowning that out, turn it off. If comparison to those around you is making you feel less than or that the offer of life is not for you, then shift your focus. This doesn't mean that everything becomes easy or perfect. There is a reason Jesus said in the same breath, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come To give life. If you think about the fruits of the Spirit, or maybe for today, the fruits of an abundant life peace, joy, patience, gentleness those things can take life on life's terms. The offer for you is still life and life abundant. You have everything you need in Christ Jesus to live fully alive. And we could say the same thing about us as a church. We're in a transition period, but we're not stuck. We're not dependent upon who comes next to be fully alive. This church has everything it needs in Christ Jesus, who is the head of the church to be fully alive. This church and us as individuals, the offer for us is life and to live fully alive. God is not holding out on you. Life is offered to you, and it's for you. And Jesus, he has the authority to make this offer. So what are you waiting for? Create space for God. Become aware of his presence. Live like the life abundant is for you. If it feels like I'm trying to persuade you, I am. Church family, don't let the distractions of this world keep you from living fully alive. There's a quote that's been said, the glory of God is man fully alive. So church family, let's come alive. Let's live fully alive.